Hello, this is Joel with Restoration coming to you this week with my teaching. In the last couple of months, we've been on this series of With God is the name of the series. And so, just a little catch up um, if you've not missed or heard the last couple. This idea of with God is just this um, concept that oftentimes we want to say, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite God into this space with me, or I'm going to ask God to help me with something. And in all honesty, God is inviting us to help Him in the things that He's already doing. There's nothing that we begin that God's not already begun. There's nothing that we are trying to start that, again, He's not already in full effect. So the idea of us asking or asking Him to join us is um, it's, it's kind of a joke. We're kind of kidding ourselves. Um, again, He is inviting us. It just We don't have that awareness. We don't have that understanding. But the truth is that He's asking us to join him and we get that pleasure we get that honor of joining him so again with with god what we get to do with god and as the last couple of months we've had different different focal points and tonight my my focus is how do we witness with god we talk about witnessing in our faith and as a christian how we go about witnessing but then there's this idea of okay well how do i witness with god and again i, I just laugh to myself because God's asking me to join him in the mission he's already begun. So for me to think that I would ask him to help me witness, he is in all actuality asking me to help him and to um, to do my part. So my word for the day is going to be witness. You'll hear me say that a lot. The verses I'm going to be reading from focus on that, that word. And initially I asked some people, I was like, what do you um, when you think of the word witness, what comes to mind? And most of them kind of framed it in that, that faith-based Christian mindset of like, well, I witness, I testify was a word that was used a lot, um, to share my, my relationship, my walk with God. And for me, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is embarrassing, but I've always framed the word witness in two, in my mind, very separate contexts. One, yes, is the idea of my faith and how I, I witness as a Christian, but then I've always had this like separate idea of like witness in like the legal sense, in like a courtroom, like a witness is on the stand giving a testimony. And I, I don't know why it wasn't until I really started doing this prepping for this teaching that I began to see that like, oh, these are the exact same thing. There's there's no difference whether I'm witnessing for my faith faith or I'm witnessing in a courtroom, I'm testifying. I'm 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 giving my what I've seen to be the truth, what I believe to be the truth, and so it just took me a while to get there. And um, you know, in the courtroom, we always say like an eyewitness is like very powerful because they've seen what they've experienced. And so, if I'm witnessing in my faith, I'm sharing what I've seen. Like I, I am an eyewitness. I've I've seen things. I've experienced things, and um, I want to share that. Um, the first verse I want to focus on, it comes in John uh, 20, verse 29. So this idea of when I call myself the eyewitness and what I've seen, I guess I should be careful because have I ever actually seen God? Have I ever actually seen Jesus with my own eyes? No, no, I have not. I've seen um, things happen. I've seen people change, things like that, that I, I believe I've seen the work of God, although I've not seen God. And in John 20, verse 29, says, um, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So starting from this point of, okay, how do I, how do I bear witness to something? I guess technically I've never physically seen. I've not seen them with my actual eyes, but I believe and I know and I have faith and I trust, um, in God. When I was prepping for this, I looked up the definition of witness and some of the different definitions I read was one was to show that if something is true or it exists. Well, I, I believe God exists. Like that is what, that is my truth. That is what I believe to be true, the existence of God. And then another word that we used was, um, to show what is reality. And so this idea of if I'm witnessing, I'm showing the reality that is God. I believe him to be the ultimate reality more real than anything we've seen here on earth. But this question comes back to what Jesus said, like those, do you believe because you've seen those who have not believe those who have not seen blessed for they still believe. And so how do I witness something that I, again, technically I've not seen, but I believe. And that's when this with God comes in. This is how I am able to witness. It is only through um, God's work with me that I'm able to share these things and witness with an, a true power and a true um, authority. So the next verse I'm going to look at is in Acts chapter 1. It says here, this is verses 6 through 8. Um, so this is as Jesus, after he's been resurrected from the death, and this is just just before he's ascending back into heaven, he says, so when they had come together, they asked me, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, I do not, I do not for, it is not for you to know times or reasons that the father has fixed his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness to, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So let me go back to verse 8 here. It says, but you will receive power. And then it ends with, you will be my witness to the end of the earth. I think this is this is the moment when we realize it is only with God that we are called to be witness, witnesses. The sequence there, the first thing that happens is God, Jesus is telling the people, you will receive power. Power being the Holy Spirit that comes, lives, and breathes through us. Once we receive this power that is the Holy Spirit, then we are called to be witnesses. I think sometimes we we get the wrong idea and we think that, um, oh, it is my words that will lead someone to Jesus. It is it is what I say and what I do that will lead to their salvation. And it's, again, I laugh. It's a joke because it is only by God's work through my words, through my actions, it is God's will, God's doing that anyone is brought to salvation. Nothing I do will save or redeem anybody, but it is God's work through me. Um, so again, first we receive the Holy Spirit, and then we can go bear witness. Talking to my wife, we had some conversations, so I wanted to get her take on some of these things, and I thought, um, you know, how do you, when you hear this, what does this make you think? And we kind of came to two different mindsets, and the one she first said was, um, the first thing this does is it releases you of pressure. Sometimes as a Christian, I want so desperately to be a witness and I want so desperately to lead others to Jesus and things like that, that it can be a lot of pressure. Like if I want someone to be saved, I, it's so easy for me to get the mindset that, well, then I have to do 
whatever I have to do to get this person to Jesus. But here it's telling me, without the power of the Holy Spirit, I will not be able to do that. And so it is not solely on me. It is not through my will or my power or my force that I will be able to bring someone to to salvation. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that I will be able to I will be able to accomplish or have any sort of effect. And so again, she just felt like it gives her a release of pressure, and I I fully agree with that. I, I think sometimes we can be so harsh on ourselves, and not that it's something we shouldn't. Um, take serious and focus on, but at the same time, we do have to realize it is not, it is not my strength. It is the strength of, and the power of God. Well, then when I was talking to her, I said, from my mindset, she said it releases you of pressure. To me, it releases you of pride also. As a man in ministry, um, I sometimes I have to check my ego a little bit to think that, well, you know, I'm here, I'm doing such a good job telling all these people about Jesus, man, I'm such a good guy. And if I'm leading them closer to the Lord, I pat myself on the back and I think just anyone can have that mindset of, um, it's a little bit of our ego and saying, mm, I'm, I'm doing so good. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty great person that I'm here trying to share God with this person. And here it's telling me that, no, I'm not doing anything. Again, back to that idea with him, it is only the power of the Holy Spirit working through me that I'm able to accomplish anything. So my pride, my ego are nothing like that shows my lack of understanding and it just shows an arrogance and um, I have to check myself on that. So again, this idea of once I receive the power and then I become the witness, only then will I have any impact and um, in what I hope to do as far as drawing people closer to Jesus and ultimately salvation. But it does do those two things as far as it releases me of any pressure, but also releases me of any pride that I may be experiencing. And then the main section of scripture I really want to get into is back in John, this time um, chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. So as I read through this, I'm going to just stop at certain points and kind of explain what Jesus is saying. This part of scripture comes just after, if you're familiar, where um, Jesus has healed a man on the Sabbath. And there are all these Jewish leaders who are kind of attacking um, and saying how dare you you've you know you've not held up the the sabbath the the sacredness of the sabbath you cannot be the son of god and they're just they're coming at him right now and he's kind of he's had some other moments where he combated that and kind of you know said his piece on it but now he's getting to a point where again he's just explaining how he is here to bear witness and he's used this word witness throughout this section where I don't know. I don't always think of Jesus as a witness, but yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. Yes, he came to um, die and offer salvation and to be resurrected, but he's also a witness. I mean, it is by what he, his actions that the New Testament came to be. And so these things that we see are based on him. And so here in John 5, like I said, I'll, I'll read some verses and then I'll stop and just kind of explain along the way. It begins with verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. And even that, just the beginning of that verse right there is interesting. That Jesus would say, I can do nothing on my own. Huh. I don't know. I never really thought of that Jesus couldn't do something on his own. I mean, he is the son of God. He is He is part of the Trinity. What could he not do on his own? But then he goes on to say, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. 
because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so he's kind of getting into this idea of like, even Jesus here on earth needs God to have impact, to have effect, to do anything. He needs God. So he's even saying like, he cannot do this on his own. And if Jesus, the son of God, cannot do these things on his own, what chance do we have of doing any of these things on our own? So it's just this immediate kind of calling out of, you can't do it by yourself. You cannot. So continuing on, it says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. So in my research and in um, my prep for this, um, I was looking at it apparently based on the Mosaic law, which these Jewish, Jewish leaders were, they abided so closely to, and that's what they ultimately really lived by. Um, according to that law, if there was only one witness, things were not to be believed. There had to be multiple witnesses. There had to be more than one. And so Jesus here is even saying, you know, even based on what you believe, I'm not here on my own. If I were here on my own, then no, you would not believe me. If it's one person's testimony, just one person speaking out, one witness, then it's not to be believed. But then he goes on. There is another who bears witness bears witness with me, and I know that the testimony that he bears me is true. Now, some might read that and think, oh, he's talking about, oh yeah, he's got God there, and that's absolutely true. When he's not alone, he's with God, but he's also talking about John the Baptist here. And um, at this time, well, up to this time, John the Baptist was very highly regarded. People believed what his testimony, believed what he shared and his preachings and his teachings. But since Jesus had arrived, John now is saying, this is the Son of God. And all of a sudden, everyone who had believed John prior were now saying, oh, never mind. He's saying this guy is the Son of God. So never mind. Even though we believe John this whole time, now never mind. And it goes on. Um, you, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things to you that you might be saved. He was burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So again, John the Baptist was this lamp that was shining the light of God. And just like Jesus says here, you, you love that light for a time. You listened, you believed, you followed, but now things have changed. And a quick side note, I just thought this was so fascinating. Um, we always, as a Christian, we always, we even sing the song, this little light of mine, you know, we say, shine your, shine our light. And this framing here where he talks about John being the lamp, it just, it causes me to pause and think that, no, it's this little light of mine. Yes, I do have Jesus in me and it shines out of me, but it's just a reminder that I am not shining my light. I am but the lamp. I am but the vessel that God has blessed me with and called me to to shine his light. And so just this reminder to myself, and um, I am the lamp. I am not the light. The light shines through me, but it does not come from me. And so just this interesting perspective that the way he words that and the way he phrases that. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So here's where he's laying it on. I'm not just here with John the Baptist, Jesus is saying. I'm here from God the Father. I'm not alone. I am with him. And of course, these leaders aren't believing. They are they are doubting. They are calling him a liar. And 
saying none of these things are true, but here he's doing all these things and he keeps, he'll keep calling back to this mosaic law of guys, this law that you abide so closely to told you I would come. There was, you know, prophecies of this soon coming king. I am that king that was spoken of. Wasn't what they thought it would be, but that doesn't mean it wasn't true. Obviously it was. And the father who has sent me has himself borne witness with me. His voice has never heard his, sorry, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. Goes back to that verse I was reading earlier, like those who have never seen, those who still believe. It's just this, this idea of faith. And I mean, these guys have seen the works that Jesus has done, the miracles he has performed. I mean, the, the fact that they can deny him being the son of God is just, it's beyond me. I can't understand it. No, I wasn't there. And I don't know, I'm susceptible, I'm susceptible to doubts and things like that. But just to witness Jesus and the miracles he performed, I would think would do the trick, but here they're, they're not buying it. And you do have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. You search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is the, and it is they that bear witness about me. So again, this idea of that mosaic law that they just studied and they, they, um, they lived by, but ultimately that's, that's what they serve. That's what they worship. Just the law. They didn't serve the God behind it. They were just so focused on, um, living exactly by these, these laws that they, they weren't open to receiving when the king finally did arrive, when the son of the Lord, the son of God did finally come. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So these Jewish leaders were patting themselves on the back. They thought they were, you know, holier than thou and just such, such excellent men and, um, people who live by God's word, but they did it to glorify themselves. They were, you know, they said they drew that attention to themselves. Hey, look at me. Look at how perfect and look how great I am. Look at everything that I do. And Jesus is calling them out here a little bit saying, mm, it's not what you do that, you know, that glorifies yourself. It's only what we do, what you are called to do that glorifies God. Those are the things that we're called to focus on. So back to that idea of with God, I mean, Glory is all to him. Glory is none to us. And if, if we're receiving or if we're doing anything with that, with that self gain in mind, if then we are missing the point and we're off the path that the Lord has called us to. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So he's referring back to Moses and this Mosaic law. And again, these these Jewish leaders here are just talking about, oh no, Jesus, you cannot be the son of God. You do not fall into what we've studied and what we've, what we've prepared for. But it does. Again, throughout the Old Testament, these... Um, prophecies of the son of God to come. And I mean, it just had been foretold and yet they didn't hear it. 
They didn't see it. They didn't believe it. It goes back to just the glory they wanted for themselves. They weren't willing. They didn't want to receive that because, and as I said again, unless you have that power from the Holy Spirit to receive these things, you're lost. You don't understand. You're missing, you're missing what Jesus is offering. And so just kind of a few closing thoughts, this idea, um, how do we bear witness? And it is only, only with the power of God. If I try and do anything by myself, it is just, it is possibly pointless. There may be no purpose. There may be no impact. I mean, even the good that I do, if I do not do it for the glory of God, then I do it for the glory of myself. And that is not at all what I'm supposed to be doing. So as I was preparing this teaching again, um, I had initially had a few thoughts that I thought I was going to build this whole sermon around, but then ultimately it didn't really fall into this with God um, focus that we're really um, drawn into right now. So I kind of went back to my my studies and my scripture and things like that to come come at it from a different angle, and that's when I, you know, found these verses and just prayed that God would give me this word that he has, but I still wanted to touch on a few of these points that I I had already thought of prior to this actual teaching. And so when I ask people, well, how do, how do you, how do you bear witness in your faith, in your Christian faith? How do you bear witness? You know, most everyone says, well, to care for others or to, um, to show kindness, to just be a, um, be a person who does good in the world. And of course those are true. I mean, honestly, I was actually looking for the stereotypical answers and that's kind of what I got. And I didn't do that to you know try and trick anybody, but so often when we talk about witnessing, I think we focus on these very positive things. I, I give somebody food or clothing. That's no one could see that as not being positive. Um, I show kindness, generosity. Yeah, those are very positive things and they are, those are very powerful things to witness. But, um, and I have to check myself on this. I find myself, as I grow in my faith, I grow in my grace for people who are non-believers. Like, if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the Jesus that I know, then I don't, I don't expect you to live as I live or things like that. But something I've really had to work on here lately is to find grace for those who are believers. I hold Christians to a higher standard than I do non-believers and it's got not got me in trouble but i've had moments where i've had to kind of repent and just ask god for just grace i mean just to say that they are even though they are believers they are still flawed and they're sinners just the same as me i'm not perfect but i had these thoughts of as christians yes we should be witnessing in those positive things but there are things that also some might consider to be negative is the word i'll use for it so I had these thoughts of different negative experiences that we we go through probably on a daily basis that I don't think we always consider as um, opportunities to witness. So the first one I had was, how do we witness in disagreement? If I disagree with another person on something, whether it be minor or major, how do I witness through that? I think as Christians, you know, we believe we believe we know the truth. That's what I believe. There are those who disagree. How do I disagree with them? Because if I just come at them combative and I'm automatically just like, you're wrong, you're a fool, um, oh, you don't know anything, and I just, I don't know. And I mean, that's a pretty major thing, but even just minor things um, in a day-to-day basis, if I disagree with somebody, 
so often we are so impatient and so quick to anger and things like that. And how we, and when we disagree with people and man, again, it's not even a negative thing, but it has that negative, um, connotation to it. If I disagree with somebody, that means something's wrong. Something is bad. Okay. Maybe, but how can we witness through that? How can I use a disagreement with somebody to witness and show them and, uh, to share my testimony with them and continue to do like those acts of kindness that we consider the more positive light. But, and the second thing I had was how do we witness when we fail or in our disappointments? Um, when things don't go how we want, how do we react? You know, as Christians, we think, oh, we've got it all figured out. We've got it all planned. And so often, well, this is what God told me to do. So I know it'll work. And honestly, it still fails sometimes. And these are pretty major things, but even in minor things, how do we witness through our failures? Are you willing to admit that you failed? Are you willing to admit when you're wrong? Things like that. Because again, as Christians, we want to say, oh, we've got it all figured out. God provides and protects me at all times. But so often if we fail or if we're disappointed, our emotions just overtake us and we can be not kind in, in ways, the exact opposite ways that we would want to witness to somebody. But are you finding ways to witness even in your failures and disagreements? Just something to think about. And the last one I thought of was um, how are we witnessing in our apologies? Again, Christians, I myself hold myself to a high standard. However, I still make mistakes. I still do wrong to other people. I do. I sin. Um, I am imperfect. Am I willing, one, am I even willing to admit if I'm wrong, but if I am, am I willing to apologize or do I come up with excuses or some sort of reason as well? It's not really my fault, man. I think sometimes we would be doing the world a great service at times if myself as a Christian and other Christians in our witnessing would apologize. I mean, we have done things that are not of Christ, although we've said they were. So how do we apologize? How do we witness and just say, man, world, I, a believer of God, a follower of God, a perfect being who I myself want to emulate and be like, I am imperfect and I have failed and I apologize. I am, I, I was wrong and I am sorry. And I think, I don't know, it's a pride thing. A lot of times we don't want to, we don't want to apologize. We don't want to say we were wrong, but I think it's so important that, man, if we could just find ways to witness through that and show the world, well, even when we are wrong, even when we do have to say we are sorry, this is how God would have us do it. And this is how we could bear witness to others, even through these acts. Um, so yeah, it's kind of closing. And then the last um, verse I had here, which is this idea of once we receive this power, we are, we are called to bear witness. How we do that looks different depending on each person. No two people are alike. So no two people's testimony and how they witness are like, but here in Romans 10, 21, I just found this, as I was doing my research and getting ready, I just read this verse and I just, I wanted to include it in, let me read it and then I'll kind of just mention it real quick. So this is Romans ten thirteen through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are to they hear how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
So just that scripture there, this idea, how is anyone supposed to be saved unless they've heard about the God, heard about our God? And how can someone hear about our God if no one has told them about our God? And how can no one tell them about our God if they've not been sent by our God? And so this is that call to witness. None of these things can happen unless we are willing to go out, move forward, and witness in whatever way, whatever way God wants us to or has us to. I, I just really liked the the logistic, the logical sense of that backtracking. It, if someone is to be saved, all these things have to happen, but it only begins if somebody goes out, if somebody is sent out to bear witness. But ultimately, we cannot bear witness on our own. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that our witness and that our testimony will have any power and any impact and any um, effect on those that we hope to lead to the Jesus that we love and have committed our lives to. So something to keep in mind. I want to close this in prayer here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for sharing this word with me that I can then share it with others. Um, even though it wasn't my initial thoughts as I, as I prayed and just waited patiently, you eventually shared with me this idea that I don't know why I couldn't think of witnessing with God when there is only witnessing with God. I mean, without you, my words are meaningless. My, my actions are nothing. Um, it is only with the Holy Spirit working through me that that I'm able to share your love, your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Um, that would hopefully bring somebody to know you and to receive the life and the salvation, the redemption that you offer, God. So I just pray that you would just keep that in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that um, it is not our words. It is not our actions. It is only by you and only through you that anything is accomplished, Lord. And so we just rejoice in that. We say thank you for including us in that and asking us to be an active part of that process. Um, it's it is a blessing that you would that you would have us do that, Lord. So I just pray that we always be able to keep that mindset of when I witness, I witness with the power that comes from God. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In your name, we pray. Amen.